This election cycle has been cruel to those in the prediction business. The race is simply too volatile. The candidates are too unpredictable. The external circumstances are too bizarre. WikiLeaks collapsing at the 9-11 memorial? This stuff would be rejected as straining the bounds of credulity by any decent fiction editor, which means it's difficult not to fall into the trap of believing that the immediate is the permanent. So six weeks ago, conventional wisdom, and this was my opinion too, was Donald Trump was absolutely going to get crushed. After all, he had demonstrated no capacity to control himself. He'd appointing the alt-right pandering new head of, of Breitbart to his campaign. He was trailing by double digits in a bevy of swing states. Then WikiLeaks started dumping material, and Hillary continued to flail over her email and then she went completely absent from the campaign trail, and then she called half of Trump's supporters deplorables, and then she died on camera. And Trump, meanwhile, began using a teleprompter, and somebody changed his Twitter password, and they duct-taped his mouth shut at headquarters, and everything looked better. Suddenly, Trump's got all the momentum, and he's got a bunch of positive polls to boot. We'll tell you about those in a little while. But while Trump recovered from his worst showing a few weeks back, there's a reason Hillary Clinton might not recover. She actually has to stop being Hillary Clinton. So Trump had to stop being Trump in order to gain in the polls. Hillary has to stop being Hillary in order to gain in the polls. But it was easier for Trump to stop being Trump. That's because Trump was defined in the public mind as a borderline nut job, a crazy guy willing to say or do anything, a wild man. To stop being Trump merely required him to start reading from a script. So, like Shia LaBeouf, he got on message during the filming and saved his actual cannibalism for the off hours. For Hillary, the problem runs deeper. People think she's corrupt and dishonest. Not crazy, corrupt and dishonest. That's mainly because she's corrupt and dishonest. To stop being Hillary, she has to stop being corrupt and dishonest. It's easier to feign sobriety and decency than it is to feign truthfulness. Even when Hillary tells the truth these days, it still sounds like she's lying, and there's no way for her to escape herself. This is the cruel reality of politics. Political standards operate exactly like personal standards. If you have a family member who's an alcoholic, homeless person, and if he drives out and goes to a halfway house, he's a success now to you. He's had a great week. If you have another relative who's a vice president at a bank, makes a million bucks a year, and he blows 15 grand in Vegas, he's a giant failure that week. Objectively, the alcoholic ranks lower on the humans you'd trust with your children's scale than the VP at Chase Manhattan, probably, but you're holding them to different standards because this is what we all do. The same thing is true for Trump. If he acts like a rational human, he's won. But Hillary has to overcome her serious trust issues. And as Ted Cruz learned, it's really, really hard to shake the untrustworthy label once somebody has applied it, even if you're not actually untrustworthy. Which means that Hillary has a serious, lasting problem here. She can't just stop being Hillary. Trump could stop being Trump long enough, maybe, to make it to the White House. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so first of all, we have a lot to get to today, like tons to get to today. We'll get to the mailbag later on in the show. We have an epic Stuff I Hate segment coming up, and, uh, and we're going to talk about everything from Hillary's health records to Newt Gingrich saying some pretty ridiculous things on national TV. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. But first, we have to say hello to our friends over at thetracker.com. It's T-H-E, thetracker.com. So what does the tracker do? What the tracker does is you stick it to your keychain or you stick it to your wallet, and then you have a program on your phone that allows you to locate your keys and your and your wallet. Uh, and, and your phone, by the way, if you lose your phone, what the tracker does is you can actually activate the ringer on your phone. So even if you've turned off the ringer on your phone and you've lost your phone and you have a second cell phone, you want to call your phone, try and find out where it is, then you can you can use the tracker. It activates the ring on your phone so you can actually locate your phone, which is super cool. This is going to save me a lot of stress in my marriage personally because I can tell you that every single morning I get up and I'm searching around in the dark for my keys, wallet, and phone. Literally every morning. And it is not, not a day goes by in my life personally in which my wife 
uh, does not lose her phone and panic until she finds it in her back pocket. This literally happens every single day. So Tracker is going <coughs> I've got a Hillary problem here. <laughs> Tracker, Tracker is actually going to save our marriage, I think. It's thetracker.com. And use the promo code BEN. You get 30% off your entire order. Again, that's thetracker.com right now. And you enter promo code BEN, 30% off your entire order. It's a coin-sized device. You can see it right here. It's, it's, it's as big as a, as a quarter. Uh, and, it, and it works wonders. It's a really fantastic product. And we're happy to have them as advertisers. Make sure you use the promo code BEN so that they know that we sent you. Okay, so lots to get to today. So I want to start off with continuing questions about Hillary's health. So Hillary finally releases a letter from her physician. By the way, Harambi has also released a letter from his physician, says that Harambi had a head cold and got a shot. Um, but in any case, Hillary has a uh, Hillary has a, released a letter now, and this letter is from her doctor, Lisa Bardak, who's the diplomat of the American Board of Internal Medicine and the chair of internal medicine at Caramount Medical. And they basically say she's fine. That's, that's, what, that's what it boils down to. Uh, the, the, the letter itself says, she's been seen by me regularly this year for routine care. It really only goes back to July 2015. So it doesn't tell you what happened before July 2015. She could have had lost a leg in a tragic cotton gin accident. It wouldn't be in this letter. But the, the, what the letter says is that she has recurrent blood testing for Coumadin dosing and adjustments. That's, that's stuff that's a blood thinner, basically, to prevent blood clots. Because remember, she had the blood clot in her brain a little while ago. She says her blood levels have been relatively stable, which is a little vague. She's also had several allergy flares over the past year, which has been a typical pattern most of her life. In, in consultation with her allergist, she responded well to her medication adjustments. They say that in January, she developed sinusitis and an ear infection. She was treated with antibiotics and steroids. Uh, she had to be given a, well, I guess they call it a my myringotomy tube placed in her left ear in January 2016. No big deal. They say no abnormalities. Uh, and then they say that on September 2nd, they diagnosed her with pneumonia, but it was a low-grade pneumonia. They called it a mild, non-contagious bacterial pneumonia. And then she became overheated and dehydrated, and she felt dizzy, and she fell over. That's the story from Hillary's physician. Now, there are two questions here. One is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And that's an open question. You can believe it. You cannot believe it. I tend to believe it just because I don't think doctors, you know, my wife is a doctor. I don't think doctors make a habit of lying about their patients' medical conditions publicly. Like, the doctor looks pretty bad if two weeks from now Hillary slumps over because it turns out that she had the Black Plague and she's infected half the population of the United States before Randall Flagg shows up. Like, I just don't think that that's how this is going to work. So I tend to believe what's in here, which means, and this is the part about Hillary that's so incredible, and it's why she has a serious problem in this election. It means that Hillary actually was not lying, right? When Hillary said it was allergies and she was coughing her lungs up, the doctor says that was basically right. When she says she had pneumonia, yeah, she didn't reveal that on Friday, but she did have pneumonia, so she wasn't fibbing about that. When she said it was overheat and dehydration, her doctor says that was true, too. So now it's on the doctor. It's not just Hillary's credibility. It's the doctor's credibility. But even when Hillary tells the truth now, it sounds like she's lying because she's constantly covering up for things, constantly acting as though nothing bad is happening, constantly acting as though she's totally fine all the time. And this creates a massive opening for Donald Trump. So CNN's Sanjay Gupta, he said, you know, Hillary released this health document. This is not technically a release of medical records. But again, there's not, there, this is not a, 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 this is certainly not a, a release of medical records by any means. This is very similar in some ways to what we got July of last year. There may be more coming. Uh, it's, it's a little bit unclear, but those are sort of the highlights, Jake. 
And so he says, it's not, and it's true, it's not full medical records. So Donald Trump does something smart. Donald Trump goes on Dr. Oz's show, and he releases his records on Dr. Oz. So there was a lot of confusion yesterday. He said he wasn't going to release his records on Dr. Oz. At first, he had said he was going to hand the records over to Dr. Oz, and then Dr. Oz would reveal them to him, Maury Povich style, and presumably some snaggletooth woman would walk out of the back because it was a paternity test, too. But instead, what ends up happening is what you see here. If your health is as strong as it seems from your review of systems, why not share your medical records? Why not? Well, I have really see? no problem in doing it. I, I have it right here. I mean, I, should I do it? I don't care. Should I do it? Yeah, yeah let's do it, gang. Woo! It's, uh, it's two letters. One is the report, and the other is from Lenox Hill Hospital. May, may I see them? Saying, yeah, sure. So these are the, these are the report. This those, is from... Those were all the tests that were just done. Okay, and then he goes through it, and he says, basically, you're normal. Trump says he's, I guess, 236 pounds. He's slightly overweight. Uh, they say that he's on, um, he's on some medication for, for his cholesterol, which is normal for people who are 70. His blood pressure is fine. He said that he feels like he's 35, and when he golfs with Tom Brady, he feels like he's just slightly older than Tom Brady, which is delusional. But in any case, what he says is, so th this is good TV, and it, and it looks like he's being much more transparent than Hillary, who's releasing these letters. What Hillary should have done is gone on TV to release the letters the same way that Trump did. Trump understands how TV works. Hillary doesn't. Trump appears honest. Hillary does not. So Trump was at a rally yesterday, and Trump really is now. And here's where, where Trump almost can't help himself. This is this is this actually is a bit of a boo boo by Trump. Trump in the middle of his campaign speech, he goes off teleprompter and he starts actually ripping on Hillary's health as opposed to her dishonesty after giving what looks like a bizarre come hither look to the audience. You think this is easy? Oh, you think this is so easy? In this beautiful room that's 122 degrees, it is hot, and it's always hot when I perform because the crowds are so big. These rooms were not designed for this kind of a crowd. I don't know, folks. You think Hillary would be able to stand up here for an hour and do this? I don't. Know. I, don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it's it's a it's a comedy shtick. It's a roast, and, and and Trump treats it like a roast. The reason I say that this is silly is because she just released her medical records. He should be doing the routine. You know, whatever she says her health is, I'm sure that's what her health is. But she's been dishonest in the past, and her dishonesty makes people not trust her. That's that's really what he should be saying. But you know, I I also think that it's noteworthy that he says whenever I get up here and I perform, he's a presidential candidate, not a performer, but he still thinks of himself as a performer. Okay, but. Needless to say, Hillary has some serious problems. Everyone thinks she's lying about everything. To the point where Hillary was on TV yesterday, and she said she was transparent, and literally everyone in the room started laughing. I've worked very, very hard uh, to be more transparent than uh, not just my opponent, uh, <laughs> but really in a, in a comparison to uh, anybody who's run. You know, the, the medical information I've put out, and we're going to put out more. Uh, meets and exceeds the standard that uh, other uh, presidential candidates, including President Obama and you know Mitt Romney and others, have met. Okay, she may, and here's the problem for Hillary. She might actually not be lying here, but she's always lying, so we have to assume she's lying. Somebody today said to me that maybe what we should do is we should put both of these candidates on a lie detector and find out who's lying more often. I said the problem for Hillary is that in order for a lie detector test to actually work, there has to be a baseline, right? They have to be able to test the lies against something. 
So if you lie 100% of the time, there's nothing to test it against. It comes across as truth. right? If I ask you your name, and you just lie about your name, and that's the baseline, then everything else that you say that's a lie also looks like the truth. This is the problem for Hillary. The media have not helped Hillary in this respect. By attempting to quash questions about Hillary's health instead of asking questions about Hillary's health, they've put themselves in a position of now covering for Hillary. Adam Carolla uh, is friends with Dr. Drew. I think Dr. Drew is kind of a schmuck, but Adam Carolla uh, is, is friends with Dr. Drew, and they do a show together, and uh, apparently Dr. Drew uh, said to Adam Carolla directly that he won't talk about Hillary's health anymore because he's afraid there will be career ramifications from the mainstream media for even mentioning it. With all this uh, Hillary Clinton and all the pneumonia and all this stuff, I thought, well, let's get Drew to call in and just tell us how pneumonia works, um, what we should be looking out for. In Drew's mind, mm-hmm. he cannot come on this podcast and speak about Hillary Clinton. I said, just come on and talk about pneumonia. In we'll just talk about yeah. pneumonia, yeah. and then we'll do the Hillary Clinton math. Uh, no. Got a couple of deals uh, brewing, nope. and he does not want to risk Risk right. those so, deals. Okay, so that, that fact right there, the idea that Dr. Drew won't go on Adam Carolla's show and even talk about Hillary's health for fear of the backlash— that's pretty amazing stuff. That's pretty amazing stuff because, I mean, let's be real. There are lots of TV doctors who speculate about the health of public figures on a pretty regular basis. It also doesn't help when you've got Bill Clinton out there screwing up your health diagnosis every five seconds. Now, here's the thing. Bill Clinton probably knows about as much about Hillary's health as I do because Bill probably talks to her about as often as I do. I mean, Bill has other priorities. He's got other ladies that he likes to talk to or not talk to, as the case may be. Other receptacles, uh, other, other human humidors that he, that he is more interested in, in chatting with. But Bill, yesterday, he goes out there and he says, oh, Hillary just has the flu. We thought she had pneumonia, I, but he uh, says the flu, right? It's crazy time we live in, you know, when people think there's something unusual about getting the flu. Next time I check, last time I check, millions of people were getting it every year. I don't know what happened to Bill Clinton. He looks like such a creeper now. He, he legitimately looks like the child molester from Family Guy. I mean, he's just, just he's the kind of, like, really, I don't know how else to describe him here. That's, that's what he looks like. But, but he says the flu, and then everybody goes, wait, but she said she had pneumonia, so who's telling the truth? And then they say, oh, Bill Clinton made a mistake, but he's her husband. Shouldn't he know that? He shouldn't know that. They haven't been in the same 30-mile proximity since the convention when he just stared at the giant balloons coming from the sky and thought about Dolly Parton. Uh, Bill went on to also cover up you know, Hillary's email scandal. Again, the, the lack of honesty on the part of the Clintons is so astounding that even when Hillary is telling the truth, even if her doctor is telling the truth about her health, there's no way for anybody to tell that. After all the hullabaloo over this email deal, you know, it was for a year we were told this is the biggest problem since the end of World War II. Oh, finally, the Washington Post, their everlasting credit, say, I think we've had about enough of this. Okay, so but but we haven't had enough of this. So, again, they're covering up everything. And the Clinton Foundation is doing the same thing. The head of the Clinton Foundation, Donna Shalala, was on TV yesterday, and she was saying there was no impact that the Clinton Foundation was working hand-in-glove with the State Department in corrupt fashion. No one believes this. No one believes what the Clinton Foundation president's about to tell you. But, but, I mean, with all respect, how can you dispute that the lines were crossed? We have evidence of it from the emails. No, there's no evidence that policy uh, was impacted by anyone's uh, requesting an appointment. So uh, let me dispute any indication that Mrs. Clinton's uh, behavior on policy was changed uh, in any way. The most important thing is this is a magnificent foundation that has reinvested 
reinvented philanthropy from Malawi to Haiti uh, to Cartagena. Uh, we're doing uh, spectacular work, and we have to make sure that that work continues, but not under the Clinton Foundation's umbrella. If you lie this much, if you're constantly lying, no one's going to trust you even when you tell the truth. It's the boy who cried wolf. You lie this much, no one is going to believe you when the wolf is finally there. But when you tell the truth, when it turns out you actually did have pneumonia and it was just an allergy, then no one's going to believe you. And still people don't believe you, and the polls show that today. The polls, by the way, for Hillary Clinton are devastating. I mean, she is now hitting the panic button somewhere Joe Biden is just sitting in a corner crying to himself because if you're running, do you understand? I think it's important people understand this. Donald Trump is not soaring in the polls. He's at 42 percent against Hillary Clinton in The New York Times poll, which means they're tied. OK, that's how bad Hillary Clinton is at this. Hillary Clinton is legitimately the worst candidate in American political history. She's going to lose to Donald Trump. OK, I could find small children who could beat Donald Trump in an election and it would not be hard for me to do it. I could find farm animals who would beat Donald Trump in an election diseased farm animals who would likely beat Donald Trump in an election. Hillary Clinton is going to lose to him because she's so terrible at all of this, which frankly to me is hilarious because she deserves all that. I mean, she just, as you know, I am not a Donald Trump fan. We'll talk about that in a little while here. But that said, there will be something sweet and wonderful about Hillary lusting her entire life after the highest office in the land, only to fall short to a TV orange con man. It'll just be, it'll be, it, it just... This woman who's built her entire life around politics, schlonged out of it by a guy who decided to get into politics almost legitimately a minute and 45 seconds ago. It's just, it's, I do love it. I do love it. Okay, we have to take a quick break for U.S. Tax Shield. So, folks, if you have problems with the IRS, if you have failed to pay back taxes, if you've forgotten to pay, if you've miscalculated, or maybe you're just a bad actor and you didn't pay your taxes, now is the time to fix that. You don't want to let the IRS rack that up on you particularly uh, as, as the political process moves forward, the IRS is politicized. You want to talk to them now, get this stuff settled right now. Go to U.S. Tax Shield. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they help people with personal tax liabilities, business payroll taxes, fees, penalties, When you call what, what you call them for a free consultation, and they actually will conference call with the IRS and find out how much money you owe. Then they'll actually give you a quote on, on the phone, and they will tell you on the phone specifically what the what the amount you're going to be charged will be. Uh, and at that point, that quote never changes. They have a fresh start program. It helps you come clean with the IRS and settle your debt in a short period of time. You can call them right now for a free consultation at 800-542-2226. 800-542-2226. You can visit ustaxshield.com slash Ben. That's ustaxshield.com slash Ben. Make sure that you use the slash Ben because that means that they know that we sent you. And then they're they're can, they'll continue to advertise with us and make sure that you can watch this show uh, and enrich your life. So one quick note before we before we have to run here. So again, Hillary Clinton's dishonesty is so wild here that she that, that nothing she says can be believed, and it's almost impossible to overcome that. It's really difficult for a candidate to overcome that in any serious way, which means that now Hillary has to wait for Trump to fail. Trump has to avoid the big boo-boo. If Trump can avoid the big boo-boo, he definitely has the advantage. He definitely has a major advantage if he can avoid the big boo-boo. And Trump is starting to look better. Right? Trump is when he's on teleprompter. As I said, all we need from Trump is to is to be Shia LaBeouf when he's reading from the script, not Shia LaBeouf when he's being thrown out of a Broadway musical for trying to eat the flesh off of, off another human being. So if Trump can do that, if he can just stick to teleprompters, yesterday, for example, he drops this great line about Flint, Michigan. Do we have this, this Trump line from Flint? This is clip 10. It used to be, think of this, is this true? It used to be cars were made in Flint. 
and you couldn't drink the water in Mexico. Now, the cars are made in Mexico, and you can't drink the water in Flint. Great line. Right, it's a great line. It's a pre-written line. It's a great line. I, I love that <laughs> when Trump does the, the, the comedian shtick, where he turns around and starts signaling to the audience, yeah, isn't that a great joke? Come on. It's, I mean, this is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. And this is why Trump, the polls right now, Trump is, is now neck and neck in Virginia, which has to scare the living crap out of Hillary. She just pulled all of her resources from Virginia because she figured she had it won. He's running neck and neck in Colorado. That's a disaster for her. He's running ahead in Ohio. He's running ahead in Florida. He's running ahead by eight in Iowa. He's running ahead in, in Nevada by a couple of points. He's running ahead in Arizona. He's running a little ahead in North Carolina. Folks, if he wins that many states, he wins the election. <laughs> We're talking about President Donald Trump. We're there, gang. I mean, we really are. That's how, that's how close this thing is. We'll talk more about that, and we'll talk about the dangers and what, what this involves when we continue. And you can watch us on Daily Wire to, to watch that. Dailywire.com, 8 bucks a month means you become a subscriber. And subscribers get to write in to the Vaunted Ben Shapiro Show mailbag, which we will be doing absolutely shortly. Plus, you can continue to watch this thing live. You don't have to wait for us to release the audio later on iTunes or SoundCloud. You don't have to be plunged into, into the black hole of failure. Um, you go to dailywire.com, subscribe right now, and become part of the Daily Wire team. And we'll be glad to see you there in 30 seconds. So as we've been talking about, Donald Trump is not conservative, right? I mean, the, the last couple of days, he unveils this maternity leave policy, which is, which is a giant boondoggle for the left. It's definitely not a conservative policy. But the real reason, I think, that so many people are so loyal to Trump, really, the, the reason people are loyal to Trump has very little to do with Donald Trump's policy. I think the reason so many people are very loyal to Donald Trump is because they like Donald Trump's enemies, meaning that he has the, the right people hate Donald Trump. The reason that, the, honestly, the reason that I get so much flack for not supporting Donald Trump is because people sort of assume that I would because I'm very, very conservative and because I really, really dislike Hillary Clinton. And that's a major, exagger, a major underestimation of how much I dislike Hillary Clinton. To say I majorly, majorly dislike her is a major underestimation of how much I dislike Hillary Clinton. People sort of assume that I was going to be on the Trump team, and so when I'm not, then they then they they don't like that. It, it doesn't fit into their their the boxes they've created, which are the Trump enemies and the Trump friends, because I sort of fall into the Trump enemies category in the sense that I don't like him. Uh, this this makes them puzzled and angry, and I get lots of emails about that, all of which is fine. But the real reason that most people who like Trump like Trump is because they despise his enemies. He pisses off the right people. A lot of politics works this way, by the way. It's the reason why Hillary Clinton used the deplorables line. She's trying to suggest that the people who dislike her are the racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes, and that's why you should side with her. Trump is trying to suggest that the people who don't like him are the, are the pandering, polarizing, racist people of Black Lives Matter uh, and, and, the, and the illegal immigrant groups that are, that are pushing for more illegal immigration. He tries to say that in the media, all the people that the, that, that the American people hate a lot, he's trying to say, those are my enemies too. And every day those people are showing up out of the woodwork. So here's a perfect example. So yesterday, Trump is speaking in Flint, Michigan, and he's speaking at a church. This pastor, apparently, black female pastor, she asked him to speak at this church. And as he's speaking, as he's speaking, this black female pastor shows up and tries to shut him down. Hillary failed on the economy, just like she's failed on foreign policy. Everything she touched didn't work out. Nothing. Now Hillary Clinton. Mr. Trump, I invited you. Here to thank us for what oh, we've oh, done oh, okay. Not okay. To give a okay, that's good. Then I'm going to go back on the front. Okay. Okay. 
Flint's, uh, Flint's pain is a result of so many different failures. Okay, so Trump, being good Trump there, doesn't immediately go right back at her. Like, um, wait, I'm a presidential candidate. You invited me to here to do what now? Now I'm not supposed to give a political speech? People look at this and they say, that's the most obnoxious thing I've ever seen. And it is really obnoxious. If you invite a presidential candidate and then tell him he's not allowed to attack the other presidential candidate in the middle of his speech, it's super obnoxious. And so Trump slaps back at that. But something was up because... I noticed she was so nervous when she introduced me, and she called NBC, ABC. She, you know, ABC was up the owner of an NBC network, and she said he owns ABC. And we sort of smiled together backstage. And when when she got up to introduce me, she was so nervous, she was shaking. And I said, "Wow, this is sort of strange." And then she came up. So she had that in mind. There's no question about it. Okay, so he, and he's exactly right. He's exactly right. And so people look at that and they go, this is honestly, it's just, it's ridiculous. You invite him to a black church to speak to people, and then the minute he starts talking about Hillary, you shut it down, give me a break. Other people who, who are obviously targeting Trump, Vincente Fox, the former president of Mexico, he talks about Trump, and people look at this, normal Americans look at this, and they say, that guy ain't on my side, so why exactly shouldn't I be on Trump's side? Here is Vincente Fox and his and his mustache, which he apparently uses to dust after after he does TV, uh, talking about Donald Trump. And Mr. Trump's candidacy specifically remind you of any past demagogic candidates in Latin America? Absolutely, yes, and we suffer from that all along the 20th century. Diego Chavez's, the Kirchner's, the Perón's, demagoguery, populism, and I'm surprised that this nation is now going back to the old days of the gringo feo, of the ugly American, but also going back to populism. This nation is great already. This nation is great because of the work of these millions and millions of workers. Yes, some manufacturing jobs were lost, 30% in the last 10 years. But what he's not telling the truth is that 95% growth on the new economy, on the new jobs, the quality jobs, which is what U.S. Americans have here. So it's, a, it's wrong on every position. It's wrong on going to a trade war with China, with Mexico. He doesn't understand that U.S. economy has a deficit with every single economy in the world. And he's not going to go to war with everybody. We are frightened outside. I work with 95 former heads of states at Club de Madrid, and we are all now in, in one solid front against this man. This is not the voice of the United States. This is not the voice of a compassive leadership. This is not the voice of a brilliant leader which would be world leader, not only president of the United States. And he goes on and calls Trump gringo fail, which I don't even know what that means. And he says he doesn't know that China's Great Wall failed. So here's how a lot of people vote for Trump or decide to vote for Trump. They watch stuff like this, and if their blood pressure rises, they vote for Trump. Really, and this raises your blood pressure. I mean, you have the MSNBC anchor specifically soliciting. So which dictators does Trump remind you of? Can you, when was the last time anybody said that about Hillary? Hillary reminds me of a lot of dictators, by the way. She reminds me of every corrupt, oligarchic dictator in South America. She does. Because that's what Hillary is. That's what Obama is, too. Have you ever seen MSNBC bring on a, a Republican and say, so, tell me, which dictators does Hillary remind you of? 
But MSNBC brings on Vincente Fox, and they say, which dictators does, does, does Donald Trump remind you of? And the media are, are just another group of people who really tick off the Trump supporters and should tick off the Trump supporters because the media are terrible. If you want to watch something funny, I did an interview with, uh, with PBS and, and Bloomberg uh, yesterday. I think it's up on, on the net now. We'll, we'll put it up at dailywire.com. Uh, I did an interview with Brian Stelter at CNN, and I really ripped him a new one when he suggested there was no bias in the media against Donald Trump because obviously there is. Clearly, there is. Now, the media are, are the least trusted group in America. There's a poll out today showing how much people hate the media, and they really, really dislike the media. The reason they dislike the media is because of stuff like this. Ivanka goes on TV, and immediately the, the questioner starts sandbagging her with Donald Trump's nasty quotes about women. During an interview with Cosmopolitan published Wednesday, Ivanka Trump abruptly stopped a Q&A after being asked about some of Donald Trump's past comments about child care and maternity leave. The GOP candidate's daughter reportedly bristled when interviewer Prachi Gupta asked, In 2004, Donald Trump said that pregnancy is an inconvenient thing for a business. It's surprising to see this policy from him today. Can you talk a little about those comments and perhaps what has changed? Ivanka then responded, I think that you have a lot of negativity in these questions. I don't know how useful it is to spend too much time with you on this. If you're going to make... We don't need the full report on it, but the bottom line is that she gets upset with Cosmo because Cosmo is asking questions with the quotes and it feels like a sandbagging. When's the last time somebody asked Hillary Clinton, you claim that sexual assault survivors should be believed. Your husband sexually assaulted people. That's never happened ever. And so... People rightly look at this stuff and they feel like Cosmo is out to get people because Cosmo is out to get people. Cosmo is such a lefty magazine that Cosmo had an article today about how the maternity leave policy, Trump's maternity leave policy, which I think stinks. But they said Trump's maternity leave policy is transphobic because only women get maternity leave. So what about men who think they're women? Really? This is what they wrote. I'm not joking. So in any case, people look at the media and they say, you guys are just full of crap. Here's another example. The CNN panel yesterday, a Trump supporter comes on and say that Trump looks like he's healthy. He looks like he looks fantastic. And the panel loses it because obviously it's hilarious. If, if they said Hillary looks fantastic, then they all get out the hand cream. But if they say Trump looks fantastic, then that's the end of the world. He said he wants to lose at least 15 pounds at least. Uh, and that he's on medication to control his cholesterol. That doesn't sound like the healthiest individual if you're doing that. As a matter of fact, would it say he was, he said 236, the audience member says 267. If he's anywhere in that range for a six, a six foot three man, he's overweight if he's at 236. And if he's at 260, he is obese. That doesn't sound, Andy, as the most healthiest and fit person. Well, Don, first look, he looks fantastic to me, and I'll tell you this, he is getting exercise in the sense that he's flying to two or three different states a day, and he walks these lines and shakes motor Okay, so we can stop it there. So Andy Dean is, works, works for Trump. He's a surrogate for Trump. And so this is a typical CNN panel. The, the Trump supporter, and then three people laughing at the Trump supporter. That's pretty, that's pretty much how it goes on CNN, plus the host, so a fourth person laughing at the Trump supporter. People look at this, and they get ticked. And they have a right to be ticked. Trump makes a lot of the right enemies. He also makes enemies of people who are actual conservatives, so he has a lot of the wrong enemies. He has a habit of ticking people off, but he has a lot of the right enemies, and so people feel very loyal to him, and they feel like they're going to follow him anywhere he wants to go. Anywhere he wants to go, they're, they're absolutely willing to follow him. Now, the problem with this, the problem with this is what I'm going to call the great co-opting. And we talked about this yesterday, and so I don't want to beat the point to death. But after this maternity leave speech, 
there are a bunch of people on the right who pretended that this was conservative and that a new conservatism has to take the place of the old conservatism. Now, there, there's a bunch of people supposedly on the right who believe that this new conservatism, which really means this, this nationalist populism, this, this kind of Teddy Roosevelt progressive era populism, or this Pat Buchananite isolationism, or this, or this Tom Tancredo-esque, uh, this Tom Tancredo-esque closed, closed border stuff, that that has to take precedence. There's a bunch of people who believe this. They're the people who celebrate the death of, of traditional conservatism, people like the alt-right, who actually hate traditional conservatism. The alt-right, for people who don't know, they just believe that Western civilization can only be preserved by the preservation of European ethnic majorities, and therefore, if we import too many people of the wrong color, then we are going to destroy Western civilization. So they're thrilled with Trump. They don't care about limited government. They don't believe in equal rights. They just believe in, in equal rights for people who are of a particular shade. Then there are the Buchananites who believe a lot of Trump's policies, and they don't like they like everything Trump's saying, so when Trump says stuff that's anti-small government, they really don't care. And then there are reluctant conservatives who seem to have surrendered to Trump. And here, I, I hate criticizing Rush Limbaugh because I think Rush Limbaugh is truly one of the most important right-wing figures in, in modern American history. I think that if you, if you look at Russia's impact uh, before and after the 1994 Republican Revolution, if you look at his impact during the Bush years, no one has been more impactful on the future of conservatism than Rush Limbaugh, and attempts to downplay him as just an entertainer miss the point with Rush. Rush said something yesterday that I find very disturbing and very disheartening. Here's what Rush said about Trump's maternity leave policy. We have two candidates representing two major parties, neither of which is conservative. I don't think the Republican Party is conservative. Maybe, maybe it is if, if, if compared to the Democrats. Certainly it would be. But if you are defining conservatism honestly and strictly, we don't have a conservative political party. We have two candidates representing two major parties, neither of which is conservative. The parties or the nominees safe to assume. So if you look at Trump's plan for child care, maternity leave, elderly care, uh, you can sit there and lament all day. Oh, gosh, see, this is exactly why we needed Cruz. We wouldn't even be messy. If we were Cruz, we wouldn't have to wade through all this maybe, if, or what stuff. We just have a 10% flat tax, put everybody under it, and virtually get rid of all deductions and just end the government paying people to do this and not paying people to do that. But we don't have that. Ted Cruz didn't win. We have what we have. Okay, and he went on to basically say, small government, the era of small government is dead. We have two parties. They're both big government parties now. And, and, then, he, and then he went on to basically say that Donald Trump's program was at least half conservative. If this is what has happened, I mean, I, I, this, is an, this is a more honest take than Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram, who keeps saying that his maternity leave policy is actually conservative. But Russia, what Russia is saying is, is, at the very least, very disheartening. The suggestion seems to be the era of small government is over, conservatism is over, perhaps we've already lost. Now, what's ironic about this is that back in the mid-2000s, there were people like George Will, who now opposed Trump, who's arguing exactly the same thing. He actually said in 2007 that Americans desire a strong government, a big government. I wrote at the time, this is back in 2007, Republicans, therefore, have a double task when it comes to economics, teaching and winning. But it seems like people have lost the desire to teach. Uh, they, they, they only want to win. They're no longer interested in teaching. Here's, here's what Rush said here. He said, look, bottom line, I'm the last person on earth who wants any expansion of government. I think just for people that are not ideological, which is a hell of a lot of people in this country, I think they're going to respond so positively to this, and it's going to disappoint a lot of people. 
Now, descriptively, that's probably true. Descriptively, that's probably true. But where did that alleviate our capacity to speak the truth about Donald Trump's policy? And we're seeing that happen now. We're seeing people who are just falling victim to this. They're just, they're just shifting conservatism. They're basically saying, we need something new because if we don't do something new, we're never going to win. Ignoring the fact that the ideas are, the, the ideas are eternally true. I suppose you can lie to win, or I suppose you can shift to bad policy to win. But if you want to tell the truth, I, you know, that's a priority to me. And if we're, not, if we're losing, it's because we're not educating enough people. It's because we've done a poor job educating people about what real priorities look like from a conservative point of view. And Newt Gingrich, I thought, said one of the most ridiculous things that I've heard him say recently, and he said a lot of ridiculous things recently. He said that people who aren't voting for Trump, these never-Trump people, first of all, I have to point out, before I even get to this comment, the amount of energy that the, the, the sort of Trump people are wasting on never-Trump people is insane. It's totally crazy. And, it, and it, it sort of begs the question as to why they're doing that. Why, why it, it requires you to ask, why are they spending so much time on this? The fact is that, I think in the latest New York Times poll, 85% of Republicans say they're voting for Trump. It was 92 for Romney. So it's very comparable. The vast majority of Republicans have circled the wagons. People like Carly Fiorina are endorsing Trump. I think Ted Cruz will probably endorse Trump in the coming weeks. Why they're wasting time on people like me, who I'm not actively telling people not to vote Trump. I'm telling you why I'm not voting Trump. You know, they, they, but they're spending an enormous amount of time on this. It speaks to one of two things, either a guilty conscience, because they feel they feel that they're being shamed in some way, like I'm telling them that they're doing something immoral for voting Trump, which, again, I have not said. Or two, they actually don't want to talk about Trump, and so it's easier to talk about Trump's opponents. Again, it's easier to talk about the enemy, the never-Trumpers, than it is to talk about Trump's maternity leave policy. Here is Trump saying that never-Trump is in love with the past. We're in love with the past. If you so love the past that you want to write off the future, then never Trump makes some sense. Cling to the failed ideas. Cling to the failed bureaucracy. Cling to the projects that didn't work. Cling to the war we didn't win. If that's what you want to do, that's your right as a citizen. Don't expect the rest of us to be impressed with it. This is a sign that you're so mired down in the past. You're so unable to see reality. You're so unwilling to look at the future. And that goes for Mitt Romney and his crew, NRO and their sure. crew. That goes for the Wall yeah. Street Journal and their crew. That goes no, for Bill Crystal. The Wall Crystal. Street Journal is a little more mixed. I mean, in all fairness, the Wall Street Journal has sort of a mixed bag of yeah. some pro-Trump, some anti-Trump. Rub down here. Okay, so, yeah. so first of all, uh, Newt Gingrich, listen up, old man. Okay, if you want to talk about mired down in the past, Newt Gingrich, you're old enough to be at least my father. You're old enough to be, you're, you're significantly older than my pops. Okay, speaking of mired down in the past, your candidate is 70 years old. Okay, your, when I was born, your candidate was 38. Okay, don't tell me about mired down in the past. Don't tell me these, these, these new ideas that Trump is bringing to the fore. He's not bringing anything new. He's not bringing anything new. He's bringing back Nelson Rockefeller conservatism, which is to say big government New York conservatism. He's bringing back Richard Nixon conservatism, which is to say weak on national security because Richard Nixon was not strong on national security, weak on national security. We're talking, we're talking big government programs. We're talking, we're talking new bureaucracies. If this is your idea of the new, then screw you. I mean, really, this is, this is maddening stuff because the fact is that the whole point of being conservative is to conserve. How can you say we want new ideas and then your new ideas are a bunch of crappy old ideas that have never worked in the past and the only reason they're working now is because you're running against legitimately the worst candidate in American history in Hillary Clinton? Newt Gingrich blathering on about new ideas. is, And, and for him to pose the, the cast of the future, if these were such great winning ideas, why didn't he try it in 2012 and actually win something? 
It's, it is amazing. But watching him and Hannity pose as, as, as arbiters of, of the new conservatism, it's really sickening. It's really sickening. If the new conservatism is Teddy Roosevelt's bureaucracy, if the new conservatism is Richard Nixon's racial strategy, if the new conservatism is all this nonsense rolled up into a ball and tied a bow around by Pat Buchanan, then I don't want any part of that. And it's hilarious to me that the new is exactly the same as the old. You know what would actually be new? Trying conservatism. When was the last time we had a real conservative? Even Reagan was a big government blowout spending guy. He tried to rein in the spending, but Reagan was, was not a, a supremely small government. He talked in terms of small government, but you look at his record, the last truly, truly conservative candidate that we had all the way across the board was maybe Calvin Coolidge in 1924. It's been a long time since there's been a truly, fully conservative guy. Reagan was as conservative as we've had in the modern era, but Reagan still presided over a blowout spending. And that was because he had a Democrat Congress, but it's still true. But this idea that, 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 that you have to just come along with the new, just leave this in the past, leave it all behind. What are you leaving behind? If what you're leaving behind is right, if what you're leaving behind is true, then why would we leave it behind? And if you think victory just involves campaigning as a Democrat, then why didn't we nominate somebody who's better at this? If we're going to nominate a Democrat, let's go get George Clooney and run him for president, for goodness sake. And the Newt Gingrich continued along these lines. He said that the new conservatism is a new set of issues. It's things we've never thought about before. New, brilliant, bold. Win or lose for Trump, does that movement that we knew and seemed to be pretty coherent uh, a couple of years ago come back together? Probably not. I think that you, you're seeing a genuine evolution into a new set of issues, a new set of principles. Um, what whatever. are they? Well, I, th I think one of them is putting America first. I mean, a very relentless, ruthless attitude that says, you know, show me a, a trade deal. I want to see what's in it for America. I mean, this is amazing stuff. So the new conservatism is, is anti-free trade. That's the new concern. I'm old enough to remember when Newt Gingrich was pro-NAFTA, which was like five minutes ago. I'm old enough to remember when he was an advocate of free trade. But this idea that he's now the, the, halcyon, the halcyons of the future are everybody in the Republican Party over the age of 60. If you want to see a generation gap, go to a speech with a bunch of young conservatives and see how many of them ardently support Trump. Then go to a speech with a bunch of older conservatives and see how many of them ardently support Trump. There's a major generation gap. Every conservative under the age of 40 is deeply uncomfortable with Trump. They think that his policies are closed. They think that his policies are backward. They think that his policies are big government Democrat crap. He talks to a bunch of people over the age of 60, and they think that Trump's the next coming. I mean, it's really, it is amazing stuff. So, I mean, the, the, this, this twisting is what has bothered me all along, the, the great co-opting, and, uh, and, it's, and it's very disturbing, and it's really, and it's really fun. Conservatism dies when its leading advocates become the detractors of conservatism. I, Newt Gingrich used to be a leading advocate for conservatism. Now, apparently, he's one of its leading detractors. Okay, time for some things I like, then some things I hate, and then we got some mailbags. So we'll start with things I like. So first of all, I don't do this too often, but we ha I had a special request from one of our listeners to give a happy birthday shout-out to Ricky Roxborough. Uh, Roxborough. Uh, so Ricky, thanks for, thanks for watching, listening to the show. Uh, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful birthday. We won't do this every day because we have way too many listeners for that. It could take up half the show. But, uh, that's, but happy birthday to you because you're the first person who's asked for me to do that. We'll do it, and we'll, we'll dedicate a love song to you uh, on, late night, on Late Night Talk Radio. Okay, other things that I like. We've been doing memoirs this week, so I'd be remiss if I did not plug Andrew Clavin's book, The Great Good Thing. Now, this puts me in a controversial position because, of course, Andrew Clavin's book is about how he was a Jew 
right now he's a Christian. As a as an Orthodox Jew, this is not something that I like so much. I am, I'm a big fan of Jews staying Jews. The reason that I actually recommend the book, and I've read the book, and it's a very well it, it's a very well expressed book. And obviously, I agree. I, I disagree with with Clavin on on his rationales for conversion to Christianity, as opposed to a revitalized belief in Western civilization based on Judeo Christian values that springs not just from from Christianity, but from the root of Christianity, Judaism. But the reason that I actually recommend Clavin's book to Jews is because I think that it's important that you realize what drives Jews away from Judaism. From that angle, it's a really interesting memoir. As an Orthodox Jew, it's really interesting because the entire basis of the first part of Drew's book is about how he didn't grow up. In a, he grew up in a household that was actively anti-Judaism. He grew up in a household where Judaism was considered an old country thing. It was considered something for the backward. His parents apparently were real strivers to kind of escape cultural Judaism and be seen as sort of the waspy middle class. Um, and, uh, and then they wanted him to have a bar mitzvah. And he thought, this is really hypocritical. They don't want me to be anywhere near the Jewish community, but I'm supposed to take all the money for saying stuff I don't believe and that I've been told not to believe. And so that's that's I think that's fascinating, and I think that it's it's important to read for Jews because I think it's important for you to understand when you parent, the way that you parent has an impact on how your kid is going to see the religion in which you in which you raise them. And if it's just cultural Judaism, if it's just to eat matzah ball soup every so often, or if it's just ethnic Judaism, you had a grandmother who died in the Holocaust, that ain't good enough. Your kids are not going to stick around, and they shouldn't stick around because that, you're not giving them any reason to do so. Okay, other uh, another thing that I like, we're doing memoirs, as I mentioned. Uh, the memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant, these are, these are frequently overlooked. The, this is, it's actually really well written. Ulysses S. Grant has now been slandered by history as this drunken failure, and it really isn't true. Ulysses S. Grant was actually a relatively successful president. Uh, he got bogged down in patronage scandals, but, uh, but he's a really interesting character. He wrote this near the end of his life in order to earn money because he's basically broke. Um, but it, it's it's written in very clean, clear prose. If you read it now, it still reads really well. It's it's very understated. It, it ends in 1865 before he's president, but it, but it, it's the entire Civil War. It kind of skims on his childhood and then the, the entire history of the Civil War. Uh, it's it's a really it's a really interesting and good read. Okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. So let's do it, man. Things that I hate. Okay, so we'll start with Skip Bayless. So Skip Bayless uh, is, it, it, I understand it's popular to, to hate Skip Bayless. Like, we, we all understand that Skip Bayless is considered sort of an income poop by most people who watch TV. He now has his own show. I think, is it on Fox now? Fox Sports? Something like that. He, he, uh, he does an interview with Trent Dilfer, who's a, an NFL commentator, and Skip Bayless, as the, honorary, as the honorary lefty on the show, he decides to go after Trent Dilfer. If you go to the, to the place of that you're telling a black man or a black woman you should know your place and stay in it, when you get to there, them is fighting words. Yes. That smacks of plantation mentality. You cannot go there. No. And he went there. Because no matter what you're trying to say in the football context, we're not in the football context anymore. No. We have risen above it to an issue that is far more important than any football game. And I love my football, and you love your football. Love we take it almost dead seriously. A lot of but what I have today, Skip, I, is because of football. I got it. I got it. I, I watched every game. I watched both those games last night. Okay, I get all that. But every once in a while, you have to stop, and you have to rise above and say, this country is facing an issue that could divide it once and for all. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And it it's, needs it's to such get addressed. obnoxious, and stupid crap from Skip Bayless. Wow, what a dummy. backup quarterback had the guts or the vision to stand up or sit down and kneel 
and say no. Okay, let me shut this 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 dolt up. So 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 skip Bayless because he he thinks he's earning moral points. He's earning they, they don't a lot of lefties are not particularly religious, but if there's a lefty heaven, which presumably involves enormous amounts of drugs, if if there is a lefty heaven to which Skip Bayless hopes to aspire one day, this gets him in, right? Because he's, he said that it's a plantation mentality to say that Colin Kaepernick is is a, is a, is a dolt and a moron, uh, is doing the wrong thing, is is a racist and and hates cops, um, and and if you tell him that he should that he should sit down and shut up, he's a backup quarterback and he stinks at his job. So what do we even care what he has to say in the first place? That's a plantation mentality. Plantation mentality, really. Last time I checked, slaves weren't being paid. What is he being paid? One hundred and twenty million dollars, one hundred nineteen million dollars. Yeah, plantation mentality from Skip Bayless, who gets paid to be a professional idiot. So that's one of the things. I hate. another thing I hate. Kristen Bell is uh, is is seen by many. She's in Veronica Mars, correct? Uh, yeah. So so there, there are a lot of Veronica Mars fans out there. I never watched the show. I don't know if it's any good. She's the voice of one of the characters in Frozen. So naturally, that means she likes killing babies. Because if you do a children's movie, that means that you like killing babies, apparently. So Kristen Bell has now done a new video in which she talks about motherhood and the pay gap. And also, she's a big Planned Parenthood advocate. Um, it's just so obnoxious. She did this for Huffington Post, which... Ugh. Is your company looking to maximize their output while cutting back on costs? Why outsource all your production to faraway countries like India, China, and Narnia when we have the cheapest and best workforce right here in the good old U.S. of A? Women. That's right. With pink sourcing, women are a bargain at the workplace since you only have to pay them 77 cents on the dollar. Right, Kathy? Wait, what? I make 60 cents. Who are you, Bill Gates? Vicky, I make 55 cents. Who is she, Yeezy? <laughs> no, come on. Those are men. Even more importantly, you don't have to pay women overtime. They'll never ask for a raise, and they don't complain about their working conditions. Right, Kathy? Don't forget, women are great at remembering birthdays. They're the only ones who bring baked goods into the office, and they smell nice. Also, you don't have to pay for women's birth control. And if they do get knocked up, when they leave to have the baby, you get off scot-free. But don't worry, guys. Your boner pills are still covered. Okay. Oh, and my God. Okay. Was this supposed to be funny? I guess there was supposed to be humor here. But if this, when the left gets political, it's really, really, really not funny. So this is super not funny. Um, there's so much that's a lie here. First of all, I just want to point one thing out. Kristen Bell's net worth as of 2015 is $16 million. $16 million. So clearly she's being disadvantaged by the, by the great bias against women in the workplace. As far as the idea that employers are interested in their employees and their female employees getting pregnant and then taking time off so we don't have to pay for them, um, no, because when they take the time off, we lose money. We have to hire a replacement, right? When that, that replacement means you have to train up the replacement. And by the way, why is it my, uh, uh, she, she talks about Viagra being covered. Okay, I, I don't remember the last time that, that condoms were covered by, by any, any sort of healthcare program. I missed that part. Right, so the, the, the whole thing is, the, 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 this is all insipid. And she, and she continues along these lines, and she talks about how women are really disadvantaged, and it's pink sourcing. But what's funny about this is that what she doesn't understand is that she's actually making the case against herself, because if this actually existed, if, if, it were, if everything she were saying were true, companies would actually do this, wouldn't they? Right. I mean, companies are evil. Right. This is her implication. Companies are, are evil, and they, and they hate women. 
But if this were true, if they could pay women less, if they could disadvantage women, if they didn't give them birth control and then they get pregnant, we throw them out on the street and we beat them and all this nonsense. If that were true, there would be a company actually called Pink Sourcing and companies would call that company to hire all the women so that they could pay them nothing. Is there a company called Pink Sourcing? No, she has to make a satire company called Pink Sourcing. It doesn't exist, gang. And the reason, it do- the reason it doesn't exist is because in the largest cities in America, the women who have the same qualifications and the same marital status as men are paid more, are paid more than men in the top 50 cities in the United States, according to Time Magazine circa 2010. Okay, so, but facts have no, no, no relation to reality where, where Kristen Bell comes from, victim that Kristen Bell is but but again what what people in hollywood get from all of this is this this tremendous feeling of moral superiority that cannot be overcome okay before we get to the mailbag because we still have to get to the mailbag because time has no meaning here uh, before we get to the mailbag i want to say hello to our, our our friends over at birch gold if you're deeply worried about the future of the country and you're deeply worried about the future of your economic plans and your and your finances the stock market you need to talk with the folks over at birch gold their number is 800-496-6663 when you do call them you should ask all the questions you want about why it's worthwhile to invest in gold and other precious metals and they have a comprehensive 16-page kit that explains how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of stocks and bonds and into precious metals which actually which actually is uh, th- there's an IRS law that allows you to do that which with, without paying taxes when you when you move your IRA over. So get your no-cost, no-obligation kit with Birch Gold Group. That's 800-496-6663. Go to birchgold.com slash Ben. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Ben. Make sure it's birchgold slash Ben. Keep the slash Ben because that allows them to know that we have sent you. Uh, and then they continue to advertise with us and keep our bunch of ne'er-do-well employees working. Okay, time for the vaunted. We've reached the end of the week. Time for the vaunted, much sought after, often imitated, never duplicated, Ben Shapiro Show Mailbag. Here we go. Robert writes. Robert writes, Hi, Ben. I was hoping you could help. I've been wondering at Hillary's statement she thought the C in email headers had something to do with alphabetizing or filing or something. My question is, did she ever wonder why emails were only being filed under C? (laughs) Why was it that nothing was ever being filed under the other 25 letters of the alphabet? That seems like a pretty inefficient filing system. Thanks in advance for helping me make sense of Hillary's C files logic, Robert. Well, I think the reason, Robert, that Hillary thought that, that C was the only letter that appeared at the top of the emails... Oh, I can't even make this joke. It turns out, so we'll just we'll just leave it there. I have a joke, but it's way too obscene for the for for any sort of uh, for 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 any sort of broadcast medium. By the way, if you're watching this live right now at DailyWire.com, we're doing a new routine where if you actually message us during the show, we'll and you ask questions, then we will actually pop those up in real time, and I can respond to you in real time, which is kind of cool. Okay, Brennan writes, "Hey Ben." My best friend named Harambi said, you and the producers are what humans should look up to when they want to go to animal heaven. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, I got into a debate with my bro about the relation of religion and marriage. He said religion hijacked marriage and made it its own, but I proved him wrong and he still ignored me. How do I make him understand facts? Furthermore, he said a Christian refusing to bake a cake for a gay couple is illegal. I know it's not, but I don't comprehend how it is not. Could you explain? Okay, first of all, it depends on the state. So there are certain states where they have made it illegal for a Christian couple not to bake a cake for a gay couple, but not only for a gay couple, for a same-sex wedding. So Washington State, for example, a baker just got sued out of existence because they didn't want to participate in a same-sex wedding. It should not be illegal because I'm actually fully consistent on this. I don't think this is even a religion issue. I think that this is a freedom of association issue. I don't think I should have to serve you. I don't think you should have to serve me. 
excuse me, and people always say to me things like, okay, well, if you walked in wearing your kippah and I, and I refused to serve you, wouldn't you feel bad? And my answer is yes, and also you're allowed to do that. Lots of things in life make me feel bad, but facts don't care about your feelings, as I am fond of saying, and so I really don't care. I'll just go to a different place. Because it turns out that the market solves all of this stuff. When it, comes to, when it comes to free market economics, if somebody doesn't want to take my money, my money is just as green as anybody else's, and there are plenty of other people who are willing to take my cash. That's the real solution to discrimination in the marketplace, is other businesses competing and taking those dollars, which is why, you know, for all the talk about gays and lesbians being disadvantaged by the market system, I've yet to see a market system really disadvantaging gays and lesbians. We have Gay and Lesbian Day at Disneyland, and we do it. We have Gay and Lesbian Days at the ballpark, and we have specific gay and lesbian cruises where you really have to be gay and lesbian to go on the cruise. We have gay and lesbian retirement homes. There's a whole market that exists just for gay and lesbian people. So the idea that the market is disadvantaging gay people, and if the Christian baker doesn't want to associate with the gay, with the gay couple, that they have to, it's just, it's silly towns to me. It doesn't make any sense, uh, and it's a violation of freedom of association. Besides which, it's a violation of freedom. If the idea is you get to cram down on me, your version of what society should look like, then I don't understand why Christians shouldn't get to cram down on you what their version of society should look like. How about we just agree not to cram down our versions of what society should look like on each other, and we leave each other the hell alone? Spencer writes, can you speak on Noam Chomsky's descent into establishment puppet status and how the left converts radical intellectuals into apologists? Well, I mean, I'm not sure that, that Noam Chomsky has, has become kind of a, a leftist establishment figure more than the left has just moved radical. I mean, Bernie Sanders used to be a, a radical, and now he's establishment, and that's because the entire left moved to the left. So Chomsky's where he always was. I'm not, I'm not aware that Chomsky has moved to the right in any way. I mean, Chomsky is a legitimate nutcase radical. But I think the entire left has moved left. This is why I don't think the Democratic Party is a liberal party anymore. They're now a full-on leftist party, and they're going to continue to move left, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why a Trump presidency, if you're a conservative, could actually be harmful. If the reaction to George W. Bush was transformational leftist Barack Obama, imagine what the reaction to Donald Trump will be. We'll actually have Noam Chomsky as president. Chase writes, Coke or Pepsi? Love your show, Ben. Keep it up. Uh, you know, I don't drink enough soda. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't drink enough soda to have a clear opinion uh, on this one. As I recall, back in my more soda drinking days, I actually did like Pepsi. But um, I, but there, there's also two brands of Coke. Uh, there's 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 sugar Coke and there's corn syrup Coke. So the 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 Jews, those of us who keep Passover uh, on on Passover, we we can't use corn syrup. The Ashkenazic Jews, we don't use corn syrup, and so we uh, and so we get the the sugar version of the Coke. And the sugar version of the Coke is better than the corn syrup version of the Coke as well. Mitchell writes, Ben, I was talking with a guy at work. We work in a machine shop, which I started doing when I was in high school. The guys like to give me a hard time about being a millennial, which is fine. I hate my generation, but I'm stuck with them. Yeah, you shouldn't hate your generation that much. You'll live beyond all the rest of these people because you're young. I told him, I think part of the problem is kids are not forced to become adults at the age of 18 like previous generations. They're allowed to be kids until the age of 26. What are your thoughts? Do you think we need to start forcing people to become adults again at a younger age? Yes, I absolutely think that people should be given responsibility at a younger age. And that doesn't mean that we have to throw people, that we have to throw people immediately into the workforce at age 16, but it does mean that we that we have to start giving people personal responsibility and training them for how to balance checkbook, how to have a bank account, how to take care of their siblings at a younger and younger age that they can become responsible human beings a lot younger. Scott says, Ben, do you think that stop and frisk violates the Fourth Amendment? 
I do not think stop and frisk violates the Fourth Amendment. Fourth Amendment is, and this is we're, this is live. The, the reason that, that if stop and frisk doesn't violate the Fourth Amendment, and this is what the, the Supreme Court has said, I think they're right on this, is because the idea is unreasonable search and seizure is forbidden by the Constitution of the United States. The, the, the term is unreasonable search and seizure. So if there's a reason for it, in other words, if, you, if there's a rationale for it, if they spot a gun under your coat, they can stop and frisk you. If they just stop you for no reason and frisk you, that's a problem, which, by the way, is why I think stop and frisk, if there's a reason for the frisk, is not necessarily unconstitutional. But what may be unconstitutional, in my opinion, is alcohol checkpoints. If they just stop every car that's coming along the road, TSA, it's possible, could be unconstitutional because it's because you're forcing everybody to be stripped down and their luggage searched without any sort of reasonable suspicion. The way that the, the Supreme Court has gotten around that one is the Supreme Court has said it's a privilege to fly. It's not a right to fly. Eh, that's, that's pretty dicey territory. Uh, Austin is asking, why do Hispanics flee countries with left policies and then come to America and vote Democrat? Well, it's not just Hispanics. It's a lot of people do this for the same reason that a bunch of people from California flee to Texas and then vote for California's policies. The people's politics is bound up more with what they think is right and wrong than what they think is effective and ineffective. So, so if you grow up in a system where they say the government is supposed to take care of you, then you're going to come to a new place, and you're still going to think the government is supposed to take care of you. This is what polls show for a lot of Hispanic immigrants to the United States. Overwhelmingly, they think that the government is obligated to take care of you if you're sick or if you're out of a job. They think that a big government with large social services is a moral good. Not that it's effective, but that it's a moral good. Also, I think that you know, if you haven't lived under a fully communist system, I would guarantee you that people who are currently escaping from Venezuela are not going to be voting for Democrats anytime soon. The more extreme the system you lived under, the more you don't want to see anything that remotely resembles it in the next place you live. Rosemary is, is asking right now, Ben, what governors are worth watching for the next four years? Well, I think Greg Abbott is, is the, the one that comes top of the list. Greg Abbott of Texas uh, is the one that comes to mind. Uh, I think Pat McCrory in North Carolina is a real tough hombre, and I think that he's taking a lot of crap, but he's doing a, a really good job uh, in North Carolina. Um, there, there are a few other governors who, who I'm, their names escape me, but, but um, there, are some, there are some up-and-comers for sure. And Garrett writes, hey, Ben, do you think it's possible to have a true conservative make it to the White House, or is PC culture so bad anyone that campaigns on real conservative values will eventually have to flip so he has a chance of winning the general? Um, I do think the conservative values could could win, but I think they have to be conservative values expressed concisely in moral terms. It can't be conservative values are just are just things like entitlement reform. It's got to be you owe it to yourself to save money for your own retirement and take care of your parents and your children. It's not the job of the government. It's not your job to subsidize anybody else's retirement. If you speak in those terms, I think most people understand that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we've moved beyond the era. Maybe Russia's right. Maybe we've moved beyond the era when a real conservative can win. I don't believe that's true because I don't think that it's been expressed correctly. I think the conservatives have done a very terrible job of naming the left and shaming the left and pointing out just how evil leftist ideology is. Uh, John is writing live, how far should the government go to protect the environment? And the answer is that the government should go far enough to protect the environment so that we don't all die. Uh, that's that's pretty much the, the, the I don't think that it's the government's job to get deeply involved 
in environmental issues that don't have externalities. So a lot of a lot of environmental issues do have externalities. If I'm polluting a river and somebody else lives downriver, that's an externality. If I'm polluting the air and other people are breathing the air, that's an externality and government regulation is probably necessary. But if you're talking about just preserving a wildland that nobody is ever going to visit at any point and there are no real externalities, like they're doing to the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, for example, then uh, the government doesn't really have a role in doing that. And the government certainly doesn't have a role in magically renaming things pollution that are not actually pollution, like saying that the carbon pollution, carbon emissions are something the government has to regulate. They don't have any legislative authority to do that. Okay, final question of the day. Uh, let's see. Let's do Alyssa's question. I might have missed it. Why did no one cover Putin's recent law against religious freedom? I've only heard it from friends and colleagues who, like me, have lived temporarily in Russia. Are you aware of the law that came into effect restricting people's right to publicly state their religion? I'm not aware of that. I will check it out. I will check it out. Uh, And uh, I would suspect that it hasn't been widely reported in the United States because the Obama administration is busy catering to Putin, and so is Trump. So everybody's too busy catering to Putin to actually call out the things that he's doing that are are egregious. Also, when you want to paint somebody as a right-wing ideologue, a right-wing fanatic, like they're trying to paint Putin, then the last thing you want to do is point out that he may actually be a leftist. I mean, the guy did work for the KGB. Okay, this brings us to the end of the week. But that doesn't mean it has to be the end of your experience with the Ben Shapiro Show. You can go to dailywire.com and subscribe. You can be part of this. This is a new thing. I mean, we were reading those questions live as you people were watching it, real time. So you can be part of that at dailywire.com. We have all this cool new technology. You can be part of the mailbag, and you can watch this thing live as it happens. You can be part of the magic. Uh, and, and please, try not to ruin the country any more than it's already ruined over the weekend. Uh, I know that you're going to have your Clavenless weekend, and, and things are going to go to hell in a handbasket. But for the love of God, folks, try to rein it in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs>